Welcome, everyone, to Healing Hope and Restoration. I'm your co-host, Tiffany. And I'm Howard. And Howard, once again, we are joined by Dr. Steve Hammond, and we are going to continue talking about the topic of resiliency. But today we're going to talk about how to keep resilience as we age. So Dr. Hammond, once again, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. Pleasure. So, so can you tell us a little bit about what inspired this topic? Well, at 72, I am very interested in the topic of keeping <laughs> resilience as I age. So I'll just leave it at that. And so you don't look a day over 30. Oh, bless you. Give you a half hour to quit talking that way. <laughs> so let's start off with just recalling the definition of resilience. Sure. It's the ability to adapt and grow in the face of adversity. Uh, some of us in the listening audience, as well as here in the room, are old enough to remember when there were things called wristwatches. And <laughs> one of them were, was called a Timex. And the Timex motto was, it takes a lickin' and keeps on ticking." <laughs> and in a sense, that's kind of what uh, mm -hmm. resilience is. Uh, adapting and growing, even in the face of loss, uh, financial struggles, uh, change, retirement, all those, all those things. All of those life changes. And, and by the way, I, I am old enough to know what a time mix is. Oh. <laughs> I actually had one. I'm very relieved to hear that. <laughs> it, it was a trusty watch, that was for sure. <laughs> so I think that, that definition is really great. Um, and life happens, right? It happens to all of us. And we go through a lot of changes over the course of different seasons of our lives. And um, that could wear on us. It does. I'm actually feeling a little weary this morning because of all of those life changes. And so, you know, how well do we recover after loss, illness, retirement, you know, stress? How do we do that? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the two main components of the issue of resilience. How well can we recover after these things? And then the second one, the second component that defines resilience is can we sustain last in our recovery, you know, fit the loss or whatever it is into the fabric of our own life and come out of it by God's grace, wiser and hopefully more accepting for having gone through it. Hmm. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the thing about this is it's relevant for me. Uh, almost a year ago, I left a, uh, a job after over 22 years mm -hmm. and had more free time quote unquote. Um, and just this morning, you know, my wife said, you're just so busy. Hmm. And I think part of the thing is, is, is that when we come to this stage of life or we're winding down to it, uh, for most of us, there's that sense of wanting to continue to be useful, productive, feel like we're accomplishing something. And if you just stop a profession and all of a sudden sit in a lawn chair uh, most of us aren't going to survive very long. So I think it's a quite a relevant topic for our aging population to clue into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I like when you said, you know, one of the questions we're posing right now is how can we, you know, sustain in our recovery as we, you know, bounce back from the things of life and really f fit that loss into the fabric of our lives because it's really easy, I think, to get stuck yeah. You know, in the times of transition or after a loss and not know how it can just become part of your story and you can continue to move forward because it, sometimes it seems so final. Yeah. 
Absolutely. That doesn't mean we don't tread water at certain points in our time. You know, it's the natural as the day is long to want to kind of re- withdraw a little bit and lick our wounds after, after a big hit of some kind. It's just as that become the, the way of our life. That's, that's what we want to stay away from here. Okay. So really it's, it's a matter of finding ways to not be defined by the hits that may come at this stage in life. Yes. Because there could be many different ones that we wouldn't face younger in our life. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in our previous, you know, the episode that was kind of the, the intro to this, when we just talked about resiliency, you know, we talked about it at, as possibly being like the superhuman trait. <laughs> and uh, you said it's, you know, maybe yes, but... Not necessarily. <laughs> yeah, my answer to that question is yes and no. Yes, in the sense that I've, I've over my 46 years of, as a as a psych doc, I've heard some amazing stories of people who really took some unbelievable hits mm-hmm. and came back and were productive and were just lovely, lovely human beings. So, yeah, that strikes me as superhuman in one sense. But no. It isn't. It's not some superhuman trait that only certain folks are uh, blessed with. It's a potential that I believe God gives each one of us. Yeah, and folks, you know, as you're listening to this, we really want you to tune in because I think at some point in our lives, you know, all of us have either, you know, experienced or taken a major hit or seen someone else who has and perhaps really wondered if we see those people who seem to weather the storm better than the average person. We really want to know, you know, how did they do that? Because in a deep part of us really wants to know, you know, you know, how to and then, you know, really feel confident that we can you know, we can develop that ability. So how do we develop that ability? Well, uh, psychologists who have studied this uh, indicate that it uh, involves four components that end up building a healthy mind uh, in a person. Uh, I want to stop there and, and redefine the mind as every bit of neural wiring from the top of our head to the tip of our toes with way stations in the brain the heart and the gut that's the mind the entire the entire person so to develop a healthy mind in the face of some loss or adversity here are four components of resilience first stay connected again it's not unusual to isolate a little bit after trauma and lick our wounds and try to get our orientation and perspective back but but to isolate and stay isolated is dangerous. Secondly, staying in shape. That we don't become a couch potato filling our emotional emptiness with food, uh, alcohol, whatever have you. Thirdly, straight thinking. Uh, to get our thinking either uh, with God's help uh, or with the help and or with the help of a therapist, pastor, what a counselor, whatever, uh, to turn our thinkings to, to what we want yet out of life, not simply what we no longer have or who we no longer have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fourth, fourth component is finding meaning, which I just kind of simply define as figuring out why you're still here and doing more of that. Hmm. I think those are all amazing 
as I reflect on those, I look at number two and I think, you know, after, you know, suffering hit, the first thing I want to do is, you know, eat pretty constantly and things that are the unhealthy foods and then numb usually by sitting on the couch. And at this day and age, you know, probably binge watching something as a means of escape from life as it is. And that's, I think that's really important to keep in mind, you know, staying in shape, um, staying connected. All of those I think are great. Yeah. Just to pick up on what you said about uh, eating, which happens to be one of my favorite problems too. Uh, (laughs) if I get stressed, we, all have appetites and we just need to ask ourselves especially in the face of loss or adversity what is my appetite really for Mm. right now my head's telling me or that it's for food um but my appetite really might be for human contact my appetite really might be for sleep it might be for something other and very likely is in in the face of loss for something other than chow or drink or whatever it is and i think a great way to differentiate among you know our appetites is is it actually satisfying is it really meeting that need and if it's not that may not have been what you were you know craving that's right i think there might be another angle here i don't want to throw a monkey wrench in what we're talking about but in my in my case high stress causes me not to eat Hmm. i don't want to eat when i was a teenager and I got distressed, I drank a lot of coffee. That then stopped, and it became alcohol for a long period of time. And then when I got sober, it became coffee again. So sometimes with the addicted mind trying to find resilience later in life, it's not necessarily food they go to, it's something to drink, or in some people's cases, they still smoke, uh, which I used to, but don't anymore, of Mm -hmm. course. But the idea that we're all wired so differently in our personality, whatever our coping mechanism is, we have a tendency to fall back on the less appropriate, less helpful kind of behaviors that we've had in the past. Yes. Mm. So to develop those new neural pathways, it sounds like Dr. Hammond, you're saying we have to be very intentional about reaching out to do these four points. Yes. So that we can begin to think differently and develop healthy coping mechanisms yeah absolutely i'm really glad you you brought that uh the addiction piece in there that's good and those all stay together because it's really hard to be intentional if you're isolating yeah because you need need help absolutely yes (laughs) that accountability yep so what about the aging piece because that's really a great focus of this episode you know how do we find and remain resilient as we age especially with the accumulation of so many hits yes for sure well to begin with we want to keep building on or else in some cases establish or re-establish those four fundamental uh, aspects of resilience i can never talk about this topic without thinking about my aunt uh, merle who, when I was growing up, was scared of her own shadow, hardly would go out of the house, uh, wouldn't accompany her then-husband to uh, social events. Uh, He was a leader in the community. She didn't want to go because she was, you know, scared she'd do something wrong and whatnot. Well, then in her, I guess it was her 60s or so, the unthinkable happened. She was always afraid that she was going to be left. Well, she was. He divorced her. And, you know, in the whirlwind of 
her worst nightmares. She got involved in some counseling. She remade some friendships that she'd had and totally revolutionized her life. Uh, far from being scared of her shadow, she now wanted to go up in an airplane at dawn to see the sunrise. Uh-huh. She took a trip to uh, you know southern Illinois or wherever it was by herself in a car, something she'd never have done. Hmm. Uh, just totally turned her life around, and then came a diagnosis of terminal cancer. Hmm. And speaking of resilience, you'd think, well, that might knock her back right back to, you know, what she was before, frightened of her own shadow. Quite the opposite. When her hair, hair fell out, I'll never forget this. Hmm. She took her hair, which was beautiful white hair, and laid it down in the forest so the birds could use it to build a nest. So this person who had been sort wow. of a, a shadow of her former self, in the face of the, all her worst imagined nightmares, became resilient. So oh, that's a great story. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. So build on those fundamental aspects, those four fundamentals of resilience we talked about before. In aging, I think resilience also allows uh, or involves allowing God to show us, or if you like, finding and keeping a balance between acceptance and non-acceptance of certain truths. And that is something to wrestle with. So I want to jump right into your example. So what truths are you talking about? Well, again, some of us in the room and in the listening audience are old enough to remember this ancient rock group called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. They were awesome. They were awesome. Yeah. I could say I do not know them. Aha, okay. You get a pass, <laughs> Tiffany. <laughs> but they have a wonderful song that they sing, and the lyrics of it are, I won't sing it, I'll spare the audience that, but the lyrics are, And when I die, and when I'm dead, dead and gone, There'll be one child born and a world to carry on. I think it's an old spiritual. Yeah. 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 So the first truth that we need to reconcile and develop acceptance with is I'm going to wear out. Certain parts of my brain wear down, including the receptors on my neurons that determine how fast I react. And the myelin sheath or the myelin coating on the neurons that determines how quickly thoughts travel in my mind, that wears out. Neurons in the hippocampus, where my short-term memory resides, especially take a beating, and I gradually become like the guy who walks into a bar, sits down beside a beautiful woman, and asks, tell me, do I come here often? (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Hey everyone, this is Tiffany, and we have come to the conclusion of the first part of this episode, Keeping Resilience As We Age. Stay tuned for part two. The information contained in our podcast and on our social media pages is for informational purposes only. All views expressed are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which we have been, are now, or will be affiliated. The information is not meant to diagnose or treat any mental health condition. If you are experiencing mental health symptoms, we encourage you to contact a mental health provider in your community. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911 or go to the nearest emergency room.